0: So today we are in week two of what I consider to be a very important sermon series called Becoming Like God. And remember, all I'm trying to show you in this series is that stewardship really doesn't have anything to do with pressure or guilt or making you feel bad. But in essence, it's all about you and I striving to become more and more like God every single day, which is actually what's best for us. It's, it's the life that we long for. So last week, what we learned as we kind of took a step back and looked at Scripture from a 30,000-foot view, is that our God not only gives, but is actually the most generous being in the entire universe. Or everything that we are, everything that we have, when it comes down to it, is ultimately a gift from God. Which means, if we want to become like our God, then we have to become a people who are not just worried about ourselves. And let's be honest about that. We're really worried about ourselves. We're concerned more about ourselves than others. But the kind of people who are willing to devote our lives to giving. Giving our time, giving our talents, and even giving of our wealth. And the reason we do this is not only because practicing generosity helps us to become more and more like God, but it's also because generosity is what's best for us. And it's what's best for the entire world. But now that you can clearly see that becoming like God means living generosity, what I would like to show you today is how our God also serves and then in turn, how we are being called to become like God in becoming servants. So Paul begins in Philippians 2 by saying this. If there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the spirit, any compassion, any sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. And that last part is what I want you to focus in on there. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Now, what you need to understand about this particular teaching is that Paul is basically dealing with some disagreements that are raising their head within the Philippian church. And the way that Paul goes about addressing these particular issues is to basically say this. Hey, if any of you guys have ever received anything from Christ, any love or sympathy or or grace or any of that stuff then what you need to do to make my joy complete, or in other words, what Paul's saying here is, what you need to do to get these disagreements worked out so I can relax, is you need to be of the same mind. You need to be of the same heart. And what Paul means here by being of the same mind, being of the same heart, is not that everyone is going to think exactly the same. We're not to become robots. That's not what Christianity is all about. No, what Paul is getting at here is how these Christians need to get on the same page in regard to how they think about and treat others or generally speaking the reason why paul's trying to get these people on the same page when it comes to how they're treating others is because the default position that most human beings hold when there's a dispute when there's conflict is this and you guys are going to know exactly what i'm talking about we are right you are wrong we are smart you are stupid And because we are right and smart and you are wrong and stupid, you need to do what we think is right. Or you need to pull your heads out and get with the program. No, there's no response to that whatsoever. I mean, really, if you think about it, if if you want the best example of this, it's our political climate that we live in today. We are right, you are wrong. We are right, you are wrong. Both sides do it, and what happens as a result of that is nothing but divisions, nothing but a country that goes further and further apart. So it is into the midst of this kind of division that Paul speaks these radical words to, to show not only these Christians, but all Christians as well, what it means to be on the same page or where we're supposed to start as Christians when it comes to how we think about and treat others. And warning, you're not going to like this at all. He says this. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Or when it comes to being of the same mind, what Paul is saying here is that as Christians, we have to stop thinking that we're better than others and begin to think of others as better than ourselves, which is going to be really hard to do. It's our default position as human beings. And then if that's not crazy enough, next he says this, let each of you not look to your own interest, but to the interest of others. Let each of you not look to your own interests, but to the interest of others. Or in other words, as Christians, we're not to be like everyone else and that we put ourselves first, but instead are to become the kind of people who actually put others first. Yeah, we're supposed to put others first. Or to make this a bit more practical, you know the way that you've mostly lived your life by thinking you're right and putting yourself first? You guys know that, right? You're supposed to change that. In fact, you're supposed to flip that completely and totally on its head. And I know it sounds crazy. I know it sounds crazy. But the reason Paul is telling us to do this is not because he's gone crazy, although it kind of sounds like it. No, the reason Paul is calling us to be of the same mind and to get on the same page by putting others first is because this is actually what it means to think like Jesus. This is what it means to think like Jesus. Or Paul says it in this way, let the same mind be in you, That was in Christ Jesus. Let the same mind that was in Christ Jesus be in you. Which then is a truth that Paul begins to expand upon as he continues to, to kind of help us see it in a bit deeper way. He says this. Who though he was in the form of God did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited who, though Jesus was in the form of God, had the power, the glory, the weight, all that stuff that God had, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, something that he would use for himself. And what it means to say that Jesus was equal to God here is to say that Jesus could have done whatever he wanted to do whenever he wanted to do it. Or he could have just come in to the world, used his power, and made everyone his servants. He had the power to do that. God has the power to do that at this very moment. But as Paul explains, Jesus didn't use his power to benefit himself or to do something like that. But instead, he does this, which really puts into perspective how our God serves. He emptied himself, taking the form of a slave being born in human likeness. He emptied himself, taking the form of a slave being born in human likeness. Yeah, Jesus, instead of using all of his power to do what he wanted to do, chose instead to empty himself of that power so that not only could he become like us, but also so that he could become a servant to the world. Or the terminology in the Greek is doulos, become a slave to the world which remarkably is exactly what you find as you go back through the Gospels because clearly Jesus didn't come into the world to use all his power to get what he wanted. And let's be honest, people, if we had that kind of power, there's no telling what we would do with it, right? But it would be for us. No, what Jesus did was he spent his entire life serving others. There was healing the sick. Casting out demons, standing up for the oppressed and powerless, loving the unlovable, feeding the hungry, clothing the naked. Or as Jesus himself makes very clear in Matthew 20, 28, the son of man came not to be served, but to serve. The son of man came not to be served, but to serve. Come on now, are you guys getting this? It doesn't look like you're getting it. And then if that's not amazing enough, what we find that that makes this even more remarkable is that Jesus was so devoted to serving others that he ends up giving his life. He ends up giving his everything in service to the world. It says this, And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. That's right. Our God was and is so committed to serving us, to serving the world, to being a slave to the world. Not only did he make his life about us, but he was also willing to give his life to save us from ourselves. Which, mind you, is not how an all-powerful being is supposed to work. It's not even what we think of today, even though we know this Jesus material. We think of an all-powerful God going out and doing whatever God wants, but, but what Jesus or what Paul is showing us here is that that's not how our God works. Instead, our God chooses to serve. Absolutely remarkable. I mean, it's no wonder that it took Christianity a little bit to take hold in the ancient world because this is not how things are supposed to work. This is not how they thought of the gods at all. It's remarkable. A servant God is, in a sense, an oxymoron if you'll take a little time to think about it, at least the way we normally think about it. Okay, so now that you can see that Jesus came in the world to, not to be served, but to serve, I think it becomes very clear that what it looks like to, to, to follow God, to, to do what we are called to do in the bump and grind of everyday life, is that not only are we being called to live generosity, which is what we talked about last week, but it's also the case that we're being called to become servants. We're being called to become slaves. Or in other words, we're being called to be the kind of people who are not all about ourselves. And let's be honest again. We're really good about being all about ourselves. But instead, who are all about putting others first. Or thinking of others before we think of ourselves, making them and what they need and what they want more important than our own lives. Or basically, what Paul is telling us to do here, which is the way Jesus lived, is change the way we normally do life. Because it's not about us, it's not about what we want, it's about others, and it's about what they need. Now, I know. I get it. To a certain extent, this sounds like something we don't want to be a part of. It's too hard. It's going to be a transformation of everything, especially given that we live in a society that proclaims to us over and over again that what's going to make us happy is getting our way and putting ourselves first. I mean, how many of you have never thought to yourself, if those people would just do what I wanted them to do, then everybody would be happy and I would be content. Anybody? Everybody get your hands up or you are going to be held in contempt for lying in church. (laughs) Yeah, it's what we do. It's what goes in our mind over and over again. But what you need to know about this way of service that God is calling us to live is that not only does the Bible tell us over and over again that this is what's best for us, but it's also the case. It's also the case that there is a ton of scientific research that shows that people who live lives of service or people who are more committed to serving others than just taking care of themselves actually live happier and more fulfilled lives. That's right. Opposite of what most people assume, there's a whole lot of evidence that shows us that people who put others first or who devote themselves to to becoming more and more like God every single day tend to live much better lives than those people who put themselves first. And if you don't believe me, go Google it. Just go, you guys have the Google. Go Google it and figure that thing out. Which in turn shows that the reason why God is calling us to become servants. To the world, the reason why God calls us to be stewards of what it is that we have is not because God wants us to suffer. It's not about guilt. It's not about shame. It's not about any of that stuff. But it's about God asking us to become what he created us to be in the first place. Because when we choose to live service, that's when we find the lives that that we have been looking for. You know, for how long? I know we're all on this search. We're looking for a little bit of peace. We're looking for a little bit of that stuff. And you're not going to find it in chasing after stuff. In fact, the opposite is true. You're going to find it in putting yourself behind others. And I'll let, I'll let you guys just sit with that for a moment. It's just, it's big. Okay, so. Now that you can clearly see that what becoming God looks like is giving and serving. Really, when you think about it, all that's left to do, because this is not complicated stuff, is to figure out where you want to give and give. And then go find some people out there in the world that need some service and serve, especially in regard to this church. Because the truth is, and this is not a gimmick, this is not me trying to make you feel guilty, it's, it's an invitation. The more you give and serve around here, the more we are able to do to cause God's kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And the more we're able to do to make a real difference in people's lives, not only here in Great Bend, but around the entire world. So again, there's no guilt, there's no shame, there's no pressure in any of that. It's just an invitation for you to join us as we strive to become more and more like God every single day, as we strive to be a part of something that is bigger than ourselves, as we strive to reach out to the over 8,000 people in our community who don't have a church or know Christ, as we strive to feed those who are hungry. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. This is what we want to be a part of. This is what God has called us to do, but we can't do it without you. Let us pray. Father, we come before you again this morning talking about stewardship. And as you know, stewardship is one of those things people are just like, ah, man, I don't want any of that. But help us to see, Lord, that there's no guilt. There's no pressure. It's you simply inviting people to become more and more like you. What's even more remarkable than that? In the process of becoming more and more like you, we actually live into the lives that we've longed longed for for so long. Or when we give, we find that that our lives are even fuller because we do get to make a difference. When we serve, we find that it's not about us anymore. We're not sitting around thinking about our worries and our wants, but instead are devoted to making a difference in someone else's lives, which sets us free. So, Lord, help us. As we bring this series to a close, as we think about what it is that we need to give and how we need to serve. Trust you. Follow you. And to devote ourselves to becoming more and more like you every single day. We ask this all in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. You are invited back next week for another life-changing message from the First Christian Church of Great Bend, Kansas. Please check out our website at www.fccgbk.com. That's fccgbk.com. May you have a blessed week.